No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. 2009, the New York Yankees won their 27th World Series title. It's the last time they won the World Series, something Yankee fans certainly didn't expect back then, something they never expect to go a decade without winning a championship. That championship, which was unique in many aspects, is the subject of a new book, Mission 27, a new boss, a new ballpark, and one last ring for the Yankees' core four, written by longtime MLB.com writers Mark Feinsand and Brian Hoke. Brian joins us now here on The Sporting Life. Brian, thank you for being with us. Of course, Jeremy. Good to be on with you. Brian, it seems like a long time ago, uh, that first season in the new Yankee Stadium, that world championship with Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter and CC Sabathia and so many others. Um, what, why, um, why did you want to write a, a full analysis of that season in this book, Mission 27? Yeah, in a lot of ways, it, it does feel like it's been a long time, but it also feels kind of like it happened yesterday. I mean, those memories are so fresh for me and, and for Mark as well. We were both on the beat that year. Uh, he went for the Daily News and uh, me for MLB.com. And so I, I think that, you know, as we started talking about a project that we could work together on, 2009 kept coming up in our minds. And um, I, I think it's a year that was underappreciated at the time but just because there was so much going on. The Yankees closed the old Yankee Stadium at the end of 2008. They move across the street. Uh, they build this new $1.5 billion cathedral. And it, it was there was a lot going on there. It, just the ballpark alone could probably fill a book and, and the transition of all that history and how it moved across the street. But then the Yankees go and they have this massive spending spree. They had just missed the postseason uh, for the first time in uh, more than a decade. They they go out, they get CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, Mark Teixeira, the three biggest free agents who were on the market that year. Uh, it, it really is the last gasp of the George Steinbrenner Yankees spending big to go get a championship. And they followed through and uh, they made a, a very smart trade for Nick Swisher. Um, and I, I just think that was a fun team to be around and, and probably underappreciated at the time because, as we talk about in the book, you, you thought that wasn't going to be it. You, who would have known at the time that that's the last time we're going to see Derek Jeter hold the World Series trophy? Same for Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, Jorge Posado. None of us knew it was going to be their last at the time. You figured they were going to continue to win for for years and years, and uh, they'd keep that dynasty going, but it really turned out to be – uh, the beginning of something in the stadium and also the end of something with the core four celebrating for the final time. We're speaking with Brian Hoke, who's been covering the Yankees for a very long time for MLP.com. His new book written with Mark Feinsand is Mission 27, a new boss, new ballpark, and one last ring for the Yankees core four. And when you speak of a new boss, of course, you mean Joe Girardi. You don't mean there's only one boss, uh, per se. Um, well, what did what did it mean to that team to have that 
that change in the manager's position after 13 years with Joe Torre? How did that change the dynamics of the clubhouse? Yeah, and there's actually dual meaning there because, right, a new boss in Girardi taking over Torre, and that first year didn't go great for Joe Girardi in 2008, but uh, more so I think that refers to Hal Steinbrenner taking over, Hal and Hank Steinbrenner at the time taking over. Uh, You know, George, as we detail in the book, his health had been fading for – for a few years there, and his famous quote was, it's time to let the young elephants into the tent. So we really detail how that power transition took place, how gradually Hal and Hank wound up making those decisions. And so uh, even though George Steinbrenner in 2009 is the the principal owner, and he remains so until his passing in 2010, uh, that, that's the first year that Hal and Hank are really making all of the decisions. And so those big free agent signings came from Hal Steinbrenner's desk and uh, directed through Brian Cashman. So we go into uh, just how different that was. It was a much less chaotic front office um, at the time. You know, uh, the the Steinbrenner years of the 70s and 80s really thrived on turmoil and and people were getting fired left and right. And um, you never knew when the shoe was going to drop and there'd be screaming matches. Brian Cashman talks about uh, the screaming matches that he had with George Steinbrenner. That's not the case anymore with the Yankees. They're more um, inclined to run it as a business. They're very thoughtful. Um, you know, Hal Steinbrenner, a pilot, always talks about uh, viewing things from 30,000 feet and really operating that way and delegating. So uh, very different. Then in the clubhouse, yeah, very different uh, as well. I think that Girardi brought that kind of militaristic attitude. You know, he had the, the close crop buzz cut. Um, and, and I think it was what was needed at that time for the team. They had gotten a little lax under Joe Torre, and, and Torre had, had obviously won so much, four out of five World Series, but they hadn't won in a while, and I think that um, then the message gets stale. And, and as we'd see later on in Girardi's tenure, I think that happened as well. Uh, clearly, Girardi had a 10-year run with the Yankees, but this was the only World Series championship, and uh, I, I think that he was the right man at the right time for that team. Uh, maybe that didn't turn out to be the case later on, as Mark Teixeira details in the book. But um, for 2009, that team really responded to him. He was uh, very hands-on with the players. And um, he, he really, I think, to this day, I, I'm surprised that he's not in a major league dugout because if I had a team, I'd hire Joe Girardi. I think he's he's so well-prepared and analytically minded. And, uh, you know, he'll manage somewhere as soon as, he, uh, as soon as he wants to and the right opportunity pops up. We're speaking with Brian Hoke about his new book written with Mark Feinstein, Mission 27, A New Boss. And he was referring to the Steinbrenners as well as Joe Girardi, who was in his second season in 2009 when the Yankees won their 27th World Season title, World Series title after replacing Joe Torre. A new boss, new ballpark, and one last ring for the Yankees core four. And when you go back to 2009, uh, Brian, for me, you know, at that point, it seemed like an eternity since the Yankees last World Series title, since the year uh, 2000. You know, they, they lost in Game 7 in 2001. They lost the World Series to the Marlins in uh, 2003. And then what happened in 2004, after being up three games to none in that ALCS against the Red Sox, losing four consecutive games, uh, something that never previously happened, uh, I think not only in the history of baseball, but I don't know if it ever happened in any of the major team sports in North America. Um, it seemed that that 
And then the Red Sox winning not only that World Series, but three years later as well. It seemed the whole world around the Yankees had changed. But they always carried themselves as if they were the world champions, which which is an interesting trick to pull off. Um, how were the Yankees adjusting to the new reality of the baseball world around them and the aftermath in particular of what happened in 2004? Absolutely. And uh, I, I think if this story proves anything, it's how hard winning the World Series is because you can go out and get the best players. And uh, it, they did win in 2009, but it doesn't necessarily translate in, in years prior uh, and years after that. I mean, um, so, yeah, there's a part in the book and Alex Rodriguez spent a bunch of time with us uh, for the book and we actually wound up driving around Midtown Manhattan in his car and uh, just kind of rolling the clock back to 2009 and 2008. And, um, you know, if you if you remember, 2004, Alex comes to the Yankees and everybody says, well, they've got the, the reigning MVP. They're, they're a lock to win the World Series. And um, it didn't quite work out that way. And there was a, a duck boat parade in Boston that proved it. 2005, 06, 07. Uh, there's playoff failures. They they don't manage to get that far. Joe Torre is out. Girardi's in. And, uh, and as, as Alex said, at the end of 2008, they're closing this historic Yankee Stadium, 85 years of history, and there's not going to be another postseason game there. And Alex says that was an oh, crap moment, but he didn't say the word crap. Um, and, and so uh, you kind of look in the mirror and say, wait, where are the Yankees headed here? And things needed to change. And there was a culture change that needed to happen in that clubhouse. Uh, Brian Cashman talks about that being a major reason they went after CC Sabathia. Uh, they, you know, CC was well known in Cleveland and during his brief time in Milwaukee for bringing the clubhouse together. And they, he would have barbecues at his house and bring guys to NBA games. And that didn't necessarily happen in the Derek Jeter era 2005-06 Yankees clubhouse. It was a very professional atmosphere, but I, I don't think it was the closest of teams. And they also had some personalities in there that didn't quite click with everybody. Um, and, and so that was one of the big things that Cashman told Sabathia in his living room out there in California when they're trying to get this deal done in December, as we detail in the book. And he says, look, CeCe said, look, I've heard some bad things about this clubhouse. Are they true? And he says, yes, they are true. We are broken. And that's why we need you to come in and fix it. And uh, now you look back a decade later and CeCe has been everything that the Yankees could have asked and more. Uh, maybe he's not the, the ace 20 game winner, but personality wise, I, I think that the Yankees are far better for having CeCe Sabathia in the in pinstripes than, uh, than if he had gone somewhere else. And Brian, of course, the farther this last championship recedes into the rearview mirror, the larger it looms in the collective memories of Yankees fans. Um, if, you know, if it turns out that, you know, it's not the Yankees' birthright to win a World Series every 10 years. And, of course, under the ownership of George Steinbrenner, which I, I have to say a lot of people forget, the Yankees went, what, from 1978 till 1996 without winning a title, 18 years. Um, if if they continue to be title-less, we've got a good team this year in New York, in the Bronx, obviously. They're, uh, they're in first place. Their winning percentage is over 600. How much bigger do, does this team... Um, how much bigger does this team loom in everybody's uh, nostalgic memories of great Yankees teams? Well, I, I can only speak for us in that uh, when we were doing the research and digging back into the stuff that we wrote on the beat 
in 2009. It was so much fun because there are so many little nuggets and stories that you forget. And, I mean, it was a fun journey. This team, it, it was not a steamroll to the World Series championship, even though they won 103 games. And then everybody remembers the World Series against Philadelphia, how they won in six games. But uh, there's a lot of drama in that season, especially uh, with Alex Rodriguez having his – it's the first time we find out about his performance-enhancing drug use. And then he's got a career-threatening hip injury that um, he said the first thing he did was Google Bo Jackson. And then he thought his career might be over. And then he comes back and hits a home run on the first pitch he sees and winds up having a fantastic postseason. Uh, I think that um, there were there were so many other aspects of that team, and, and whether it was walk-off victories and the, the pies that A.J. Burnett is smashing into guys' faces, I think that um, at the time, uh, you, like I said earlier, you didn't really appreciate it because you figured this was just going to be the first of many and that you bring all these great players together and they're, they're clearly going to win, but uh, that wound up being – Hideki Matsui's final year. He went out fantastically in the World Series, wound up being the World Series MVP. Johnny Damon's farewell in pinstripes. Uh, the team changed in 2010 and 2011 and 2012, even though you had still the, the Jeters and the Mariano Rivera's and Jorge Posada until he retired and uh, then Andy Pettit. You know, it was almost like the last time you had the whole gang together. And uh, I think that's what was so much fun for Mark and myself putting this together and, and chasing these guys down and saying some of them are still in the game, but a lot of them are not. Uh, what are you doing now, nine, 10 years later? And uh, to me, it felt a lot like going to your high school reunion and, and catching up with guys that you hadn't seen in a while and, and really uh, just kind of telling those old stories. And, and the best part about it was the guys' guards were down, um, much less so than when they were active players. They were willing to share much more from that season and, uh, I think that definitely comes through in the book. And, of course, everything uh, changed in another respect in 2010 when George Steinbrenner died. Brian Hoke's new book, written with Mark Feinsand, a terrific look back at the 2009 Yankees, is Mission 27. Brian, it's always a pleasure speaking to you here on The Sporting Life. Thanks for having joined us. You got it, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.